Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. morning. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, we're going to be looking this morning at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll give you a, a second there to turn to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to start at verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 24. It says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box the one, or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You can sit down this morning. Let's take a moment. I'm going to look at six keys to running your race and my race well. Uh, every four years we have the Summer Olympics and uh, you know the, the Summer and the Winter Olympics uh, uh, rotate, right? So every one, uh, two years will be the Winter Olympics and then two years will be the Summer Olympics. So each one comes around every four years. And it's uh, uh, up until really last year, or the, or the last Olympics, it really was galvanizing, right? You know, you would uh, tune in and watch. Uh, I don't know, uh, not to get into too much of what was going on, but it just seems like the Olympics wasn't this last time very much uh, uh, didn't have the fanfare. It didn't have the excitement and uh, definitely the ratings, people viewing it, it was uh, really, really down low. But I can remember as a kid watching the Olympics. I remember watching the Olympics. My father-in-law uh, loved to watch the uh, ice skating uh, because he loved to watch the people fall. Uh, I mean, that is, that is the truth. He thought it was funny, even though I know that's terrible. Uh, I actually, for the same reason, I didn't like watching the ice skating because I would cringe every time someone made a mistake or fell because I felt so bad for them, right? Because, you know, they put a lot of work and a lot of energy and a lot of effort in to get there, right? They are competing against every person in their country, the best of the best of the best, right? Only the best of the best of the best are chosen to represent their country in the Olympics. In fact, I have a... Uh, a friend of mine who's both of his daughters swim and uh, one of his daughters is, is believed to be a potential Olympic prospect and so she is training like crazy uh, even at her young age uh, she is uh, you know the, the, the hours that she has to put in to swim that maybe she could have that chance to, 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 to take that next step and represent the United States and it's really a very small percentage very, very small percentage, but you have to work as hard, right, regardless of where you fall in the percentage, right? You, you, you don't know where you're going to be at. You just have to work hard striving for that goal to make it. 
And man, they work hard. And I can't relate to that. Uh, it's hard for me to understand what they go through to put their, their bodies through for all of those different activities, the endurance and the things. Curling doesn't count, right? Um, uh, you know, it's like bowling, and you know, but, uh, uh, you know, when you're looking at these people do these feats, like lift weights that are, you know, hundreds of hundreds of pounds and set these records and run these races and do hurdles and long jumps and you know, the, the ice skating. I mean, I know that I used to, to rollerblade and play street hockey. Loved it. Uh, but let me tell you, even in my younger age, uh, my calves would start to hurt after a couple hours uh, playing street hockey until I built up some endurance playing. And these, uh, you know, these, uh, these, these folks that do the ice skating, I mean, it's got to be painful because as you're learning you're falling and hurting yourself, right? You're, you know, you, you learn uh, as you perfect your routine, you're making mistakes and you're getting hurt. And so it's a lot of work. And what the Apostle Paul is telling us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that as a Christian, our race takes as much discipline and a much effort as an athlete, as a highly skilled Athlete, And I think sometimes in church, in the body of Christ, we forget that. We forget how much effort, how much work it takes to run our race well. To run our race well. We're not supposed to just run. We're supposed to run it well. I can remember as a, 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 a high schooler in 9th to 10th grade when I actually had to take P.E., and the stupid presidential of fitness uh, boards would come by. And, and even I, back then in ninth and 10th grade, 10th grade, I actually started losing weight, but I was a pudgy little thing who didn't exercise and uh, had no endurance whatsoever. And so when we would run the mile in particular, uh, I, would, uh, I would walk. Uh, you, you know, it was really walking. I'd make it, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, and so I'd run like a 9 or 12 minute mile, depending on how I felt that day, uh, walking around the track. And, uh, but I didn't run well. Uh, technically, I was competing in the race, right? I was doing my mile, but I was at the end of the line, right? I, I was back there with the asthmatics and, you know, the kids on crutches and, you know, uh, because, uh, you know, I just didn't care. I had no desire. Uh, no, right, I, I didn't care. Uh, and so um, I, uh, I didn't run well, right? Uh, and if even the truth is, if, even if I had really cared to try to run well, I was not in any way, in any kind of shape or prepared to run well, right? Because right? it takes a lot of effort. I remember we had guys who were setting records when I was in middle school for their, for like, uh, I, I don't want to just throw out numbers, but they were very fast. We're talking like six-minute miles and, and less in, in one case when I was in middle school. That's amazing to me. I can't imagine uh, running that fast for a mile uh, to be able to, uh, to do that. Uh, and, but as Christians, we are not only challenged to run this race, we are challenged to run it well. And the reason that the Apostle Paul, he liked to use metaphors, military metaphors and and uh, athletic metaphors in his writings, but in particular, this is important to the Corinthians because uh, in that in the world at that time, they had the Greek games, which is what our Olympics are, are based off, the Olympic games, and that's why we have Olympics. 
But there were also minor games, and it just so happened in, in uh, Corinth uh, there, they hosted one of those uh, minor games called the Isthmian Games. And so uh, you would participate in the Isthmian Games as you were preparing uh, to make it to the big leagues, right? To go to the Olympics. We, and we have the same thing today, right? We have different, the different uh, participating uh, sports, ice skating or track or whatever. It's, you don't just go straight to the Olympics, right? There are all these events that you go through and, and individual uh, uh, tournaments uh, as you're making your way up to the Olympics. And this is no different. And, um, you know, they would compete in foot races and jumping. Uh, they would do the discus throwing. They wrestled. They boxed. They did gymnastics. They did all of the, all of the, many of the same things that uh, we do uh, uh, in our, see done in our Olympics today. And they all were fighting for a crown. Uh, the winners would receive a, a, a statue of themselves. Uh, sometimes they would even receive a song written in their honor, written for them. They would receive, uh, at the time, what was 100 drachmas. And to give you some understanding of, of how that much that was, uh, typically in a day you earn one drachma. So, you know, it was a pretty good prize if, if you won the Ithmian Games. Now, if you won the uh, Olympics, you got like 500 drachmas plus a bunch of other different things. Uh, but then, here's the thing. All those things are well and good, but do you know what people really wanted? The crown. Do you know what that crown was made of? I researched this, because when I first read, I thought, that can't be true. The crown was made of wild celery. I had no idea. Now, uh, uh, over time, uh, they, would add, they would add pine leaves to it, and so it would have pine, uh, uh, pine leaves and celery. Uh, and then I think eventually they, they actually uh, replaced it fully with pine leaves. But it started out, people were competing for a crown of celery, rabbit food. But that was not what the value of the, the, the crown, the value of the crown wasn't in what it was made of, it's what it represented. And so they worked hard to win this crown because of what it meant. But in all things, that crown was perishable. Uh, that title died with you, right? Uh, my brother... Uh, he uh, participated in a contest one time. We went to the steakhouse in, in Northern Virginia called Don Shula's, Shula's Steakhouse because he was a huge Miami Dolphins fan. And they had a contest. That, do you remember how big was it? 72 ounces? I think it was 72 ounces this uh, steak was. It was a porterhouse. And if you ate the whole steak, you got your name engraved on a little plate and on the wall of their restaurant, which is great. Right? But my brother ate that steak and he got his name engraved and it's somewhere on some plaque somewhere. I don't know if Shulas is even still in business there. And here's the facts. If it ever, if it is out of business or if it ever goes out of business, guess what happens to that plaque with his name on it? It gets thrown away. Right? Uh, it was valuable to him at a time. And we still talk about it because, I mean, for goodness sakes, he had a 72 ounce porterhouse. That's, that's impressive. Even for a fat dude. Right? That's, that's, a, that's amazing. So, like, it was this personal goal, and it was important, and he got his name. But the truth is, it's, it's perishable. Mm -hmm. the, the minute that Shulis goes out of business, that uh, thing gets thrown in the garbage, along with all the other people's names. But they would compete, and they would fight, and they would prepare to participate in these games, because every single one of them wanted to win. 
And so as we're looking here at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to take away six key things that you and I can look at and apply to our lives as we are running our race. Because here's the deal, when you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, that was the gun, right? You know how they used the starting gun to start the race? When you said, uh, Jesus, come into my heart, I'm sorry for my sins, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose again, and you make him Lord of the life, uh, Lord of your life, the shot goes off. That's when you're supposed to leave the blocks. You're starting the Christian race. So the first thing I want to look at is uh, verse 24 of chapter 9. It says, uh, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race? They were all there to race. They all would race. And here's the thing. You and I must proceed. We must get going. We must begin the race. So even if the gun sounds... If you don't move, everybody else is running. The race started for them, but the race didn't start for you. you got to go. If you just stand there, you have no opportunity of even competing. Right? We've got to get going. We have to run the race. There is no way that we can win if we don't run. Because winning requires for us to get in to the race. And we cannot serve God from the starting block. We cannot accomplish the purpose that God has for us. We cannot walk in his will if we are standing still at the starting block. Now, I can't get into that pose because my body is, uh, does not bend that way anymore. But you've all seen the race. They've got the blocks and they put their heels on it and they get down, right? Uh, but if they just stand there, you don't accomplish anything by just staying in that position and not actually starting to run. We cannot serve God if we never start moving. Winning starts when the doing starts. It is impossible to be victorious without first doing. We must do. We cannot, cannot expect God to tell us well done if we will not first well do. That's a good one. You can, you can tweet that one, Billy. We cannot, infer, we cannot expect God to say to us, well done, if we never well do. Right? We, we can't do that. Uh, I wish that quote was my own. It's not. That is a good one, though. So, Billy, put unknown author, because I don't know who it was that said it. But uh, that, is a, that is a good quote. Because the truth is, is you can't win a prize, you know, what is a, play stupid game, win stupid prizes, right? If, if you and I, we can't win the prize we, if we don't run the race. We can't accomplish the purpose that God has for us if we never leave the starting line. Mm -hmm. Many of us are intimidated to leave the starting line. We're afraid to get started running. We look at the other athletes around us and think, oh, there's no way we can keep up with them, right? We can't, we can't keep up with that person that's been in church for 50 years and, you know, <coughs> as it seems to have it all together. We can't keep it up, keep up with the person that just uh, quotes scripture uh, one right after the other and seems to have everything in line and everything is perfect in their life and we get intimidated. 
right? If I were to walk up to a line of uh, athletes in prime condition, ready to run a race, and I were to walk up to get in line to run or stand next to them and run, I would be intimidated. They got their shorty shorts on, those dudes do, and they got their, you know, little tank tops, and, uh, you know, they're all skinny and svelte and in shape, and then here comes roly-poly rolling up next to them. I would be intimidated to run with them. And so guess what? Not only would I not race, I wouldn't step on the track. Because I, would, I can't keep up with them. But we're not, our goal isn't to keep up with others. Our goal is to finish the race and run as well as we can. Amen. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. And we can't be intimidated by those who have been doing it longer than us. We can't be intimidated by those who maybe have a couple laps on us. Uh, we start, when we start and accept Christ as Lord and Savior, right? And we start running and we run as fast and as well as we can. But we must get going. The second is this. Verse 24 goes on to say, run in such a way to win the prize. So we must pursue, we must keep moving. The race isn't over until you and I cross the finish line. Amen. Right? The race doesn't end until we cross the finish line. If we want the prize, we must pursue excellence in everything that we do. Now, you and I, if we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we're saved, we're going to get a prize. But did you know that there are levels of reward in heaven? I I didn't know this. For years, I didn't know this until I studied the book of 1 Corinthians for the first time. And I realized that not everyone's going to get the same reward when you get to heaven. You do get eternal life and you do get heaven, but there will be rewards based on our works here on earth. So your works don't earn you salvation. Don't get me wrong, right? It's faith in God. But the level of reward, yeah, that's based on our works. The book of 1 Corinthians clearly teaches us, I believe it's chapter 3. Paul says, look, make sure that when you do your works, that you're building on a foundation of stone. And talking about Jesus Christ. On the foundation of Christ, we are to do our works. Any works done with ulterior motives and not done out of integrity or anything done halfway or anything done that doesn't uh, glorify God, that's hay and stubble on top of that foundation. And when you and I stand before God, that will be burned away. And only the stuff, the precious gems and the precious metals that we use will be left. Those are the things that we did with integrity. Those are things we did that affected the eternal kingdom of God. Those are the things that we did when we fed the hungry, we clothed the naked, right? When we led someone to Christ. When we do those things that have an impact on the kingdom of heaven, those are the things that stand. But here's the deal. If you and I never run and never make any milestones, uh, our son is all going to be burned away. Mm-hmm. Now, we still have heaven, right? We'll still uh, have eternal life. But there are rewards in heaven, uh, and the Bible clearly teaches that. And so you and I got to run the race. We must keep moving because there is a prize to be won, and we must pursue it with excellence. We cannot be content to sell and watch from the sidelines, but we have to get involved. We as the body of Christ, we must be willing to act. We must be willing to change our attitudes. We must be willing to keep moving even when we feel like giving up. The prize you and I are chasing, it's not material, it's eternal. 
It'll never go away. It'll never be destroyed. That's why Jesus said, lay, don't lay up your treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up yourself treasures in heaven where those things can't touch it. Amen. Right? We are storing up. Peter said we are storing up treasure in heaven in the book of 1 Peter. We are storing up treasures in heaven that cannot be stolen from us. There's a bank in heaven that can be robbed. Right? Uh, it, can, it can be taken from us. No one can touch it except when God hands it out to us uh, when we stand before him. And so, uh, but we got to first run the race. When we run our race, let us put our faith on like we put our Nikes on. Like we put our sports gear on. Let us put our faith on. When I was uh, uh, doing well, and, and it's hard to, as, a, as, a, as a large fellow uh, to preach a message on running races. Uh, in fact, someone shared on Facebook the other day something that was incredibly convicting. In fact, it made me mad when I, I first read it. Uh, I was first saw it and let's start listening to it because it was talking about, it was a skinny guy talking about fat people. Uh, and he was a skinny preacher talking basically about fat preachers. Uh, and how, you know, uh, we're taught, we preach about sin, but then we forget to talk about gluttony, right? The thing that we struggle with. Uh, but you guys know I do talk about that. I, I'm, I talk about myself and it's the stuff that I struggle with. And, but uh, there was a time in my life when I was really working hard. Um, and so I bought a special pair of shoes to wear that it actually synced with my watch that counted my steps. Right and my stride length and everything because I had gotten to the place where I was really tracking how fast I walked, how many miles I walked because I was progressing so much. I, I was tracking my resting heartbeat, tracking all of these things. So I, had, I got all this gear. Right, that's when I, I got a Fitbit. Then I upgraded to an Apple Watch. I got these shoes. Right, they were very comfortable walking, but they also tracked everything. Right, um, I, I started buying stuff so that I could perform more efficiently. Right. And so I could track things, and I would have the gear that I needed. Uh, you and I, we've got to gear up to serve God, and that means putting on our faith to trust Him in spite of what we see around us, putting our faith on to believe that as we run this race, He's going to make sure we stay hydrated. He's going to make sure we have what we need. He's going to make sure that we're taken care of. He's going to make sure that we accomplish the purpose if we will just keep running. And the promised land, even though the uh, Israelites are being led around in circles because of the disobedience, uh, they, that God, uh, he was taking them to the promised land. And the Bible says that as they walked around through the wilderness, uh, their shoes and their clothes never wore out. Amen. And they actually grew with them. Now, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that's possible. But that's what the Bible says, that they were supernaturally touched, that their, their clothing and their shoes never wore out, right? So when you and I are running the race, uh, we can count on God to make sure spiritually we have everything we need and we never get wore out. If we'll keep our focus on him, yeah. if we'll keep our eyes upon him, if we'll keep trusting him. So we got to put on that faith, get in the race and run. Right? I know that if I limit my calorie intake to 2,000 calories a day, and I know that if I uh, limit the, the, to, uh, to what I bring in and reduce the carbs and the fat and the sodium that I introduce in my diet, I can lose weight. 
Right? I have faith in that system. Well, have faith in God that if you pray and you honor Him and you worship Him and you seek Him and you do these things, that God will make sure that you have everything you need to finish the race with excellence. Get running. Let's all get started and keep going no matter what we face. Third, we must always be preparing. We must be always in a state of perpetual preparation. 1 Corinthians 9.25, the first part of that verse says, Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. An athlete who wants to win goes into strict training. The key word here being self-control and also compete. We're going to look at both of those. self if you and I want to finish the race, then we have to prepare and continue to keep our bodies in shape, right? The minute that I quit practicing the disciplines, the self-control of making myself walk, making myself eat right, guess what happened? I ballooned back up. My resting heart rate went from like 67, 68 beats per minute all the way up. Now it's like 81, Right? All of my body starts, your body starts to physically revert back or get worse than what it was, right? As a Christian, we can get spiritually fat. We can get spiritually out of shape if we're not preparing. And so over times in our spiritual life, we have ebbs and flows, right? Depending on how we're feeling, depending on our circumstances, right? Where we get go from running to kind of walking. Right, But unfortunately with that, uh, when you walk instead of run, you get used to walking and it gets harder to run again. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? I know for me that when, if, I would, I couldn't, when, if I was in the middle of exercise and I got tired, I could not stop and rest. Because the minute I stopped to rest, not sit down necessarily, but just stopped to take a breather, it was hard for me to get started again. I didn't want to get started yet. And if I did, it was not at the same speed I had been going. I was really slow. Right? So we have to keep pushing forward. We have to keep preparing our bodies. Right? We can't become spiritually lethargic. Right? And, but, you know, we, in our lives, we have ups and downs. We have circumstances that we face. Right? Hurdles that we face. Things that we're like, I don't know if I'm ready to face that right now. So I'm just going to stop for a moment and figure out how to get around it. Right? So I'm going to stop moving. I'm going to stop running. But when you stop moving in the kingdom of heaven, you actually aren't stop moving. You're going backwards, just stop forwards. Amen. Because yeah. we, we begin to uh, put on that spiritual weight and we grow uh, wearier. We, right? Our, our cardio, uh, we can't uh, keep pursuing the way we were. We lose our energy. And so uh, we have to be preparing all of the time to run this race. You don't just prepare once and then stop. Athletes don't prepare, compete, and then stop preparing. They are constantly preparing to keep their bodies in perfect shape. That's why in the football they have physicals. Before, and I just say football because that's what I know. You have to pass the physical if you're getting traded from one team to another. And if you don't pass the physical, your trade doesn't go through before they acquire you, right? Especially with some of the older players. And there have been times 
where those players got the new job and they thought they had it in the bag and they went in for the physical and they hadn't been prepared and they put on 10 or 15 pounds and guess what? They didn't get the contract. Right? Because they weren't prepared. They were not keeping their bodies prepared. And so you and I got to keep our spiritual bodies, our spiritual man, our souls prepared, spirit constantly exercising through prayer, through worship, through the study of God's word. That is what keeps us strong. Self-control, which Paul mentions here, self-control is a gift of the spirit according to Galatians chapter 5. It's a fruit of the Spirit, not a gift, sorry, a fruit of the Spirit. So if you and I know Christ is Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and we are serving God, and we are reading, studying His Word, communing with Him, self-control is a fruit that we will produce. And even though it's a fruit that we'll produce, we still have to responsibly practice it. Because mm -hmm. here's the thing, fruit that's produced that isn't picked and eaten, rots. Right? We had an apple tree in the backyard. And uh, so there were seasons where we didn't pick the apples. We were lazy, especially after my dad died. My brothers and I, well, my brother Charlie and I, we were lazy. And we didn't like to get out there and pick the apples. And so the apples would just fall off the tree and rot on the ground. And it was gross. You'd have yellow jackets everywhere. we get stung all the time uh, because they just fall off the tree and they rot. We have to practice the fruit. We can produce the fruit. We're producing the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is something that we have when we know Christ as Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit indwells us. Mm. But many of us have the fruit and we never take it off the counter. Wow. The fruit's there. It's available. We should be producing it. And so we must responsibly uh, uh, practice self-control. Wow. 2 Peter 1, 4-7 says, By these he has given us a very great and precious promises. This is saying Jesus. Uh, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, Godliness with brother, uh, brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. I don't know about you, but that whole set of verses is talking about constantly being in preparation. Everything builds upon itself. And self-control is at the center of all of those things. Without self-control, we cannot be effective for the kingdom of God. We cannot be effective without self-control. Right? But some of us like to stuff and run. What do I mean by that? Uh, if you ever try, going to go out and try to exercise or do something, and you fill your belly first, you're going to get sick and throw up. You're going to be lethargic. You're not going to feel like doing it. And if you do do it, you're not going to feel good while you're doing it. Right? Uh, I, you know, we, we like to fill up on all the world's stuff and then go try to run our race and then wonder why we get cramps. Wow. Wonder why we get sick. Wonder why we're anemic. Wonder why we are crawling instead of walking and walking instead of running. It's because we've stuffed ourselves full of the world's junk, junk food, and then we're going out and we're trying to run the race. And it doesn't work that way. Right? In fact, you'll hurt yourself 
and potentially hurt others. Mm. Listen, when you're, do you ever watch, uh, in fact, this just happened, and I believe it was the last Tour de France, when that lady stepped out and caused the one person to crash, and then the whole group of people behind them all crashed. Do you remember that? that I think, did she end up getting charged with the crime? Yes. Right? Uh, you know, they, she stepped out and caused the first biker to crash, and then everybody else crashed around it. We, whether we like it or not, the way that we run our race does affect how others run their race. Mm -hmm. wow. We can cause others to stumble. Yeah, right? Especially if we're in leadership positions. People are looking at us. We have a responsibility, of course, to run our race to accomplish the purpose that God has for us, but we also know, must know we're being watched. Mm -hmm. That's why Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us, let, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. There are people in heaven watching, and there are people on earth watching. And there are some people that are rooting for you to fall and fail. Amen. They are rooting and watching you and I uh, stuff our faces with the world's snacks and goodies and cupcakes and Doritos and soda, waiting for us to get out on the, the race path of life and fall, and not only fall, but hurt everybody around us. You and I got to make sure that we pay attention to how we run our race, that we're not filling ourselves up on what the world provides. Instead, we're filling up ourselves up on what God provides. And in the case of, in this context, it would be electrolytes and water and healthy food, right? Healthy carbs, those things that keep your body moving, right? And that's prayer, that's Bible study, that is worship. For a Christian, those are the three vital ingredients. As you and I, those are the things we must consume. And what that does is it, it builds your spirit man, and the Holy Spirit inside of you is, gives more, is given more control and more reign, right? Think of it like this. Uh, in your circulatory system, right, your blood flow, uh, if you have an unhealthy diet, or in, in some cases uh, people are predisposed genetically, you, you produce uh, uh, high levels of plaque and cholesterol, especially if you eat a lot of fat and a lot of salt and stuff, you know, uh, and what happens? Your arteries start to clog. And when your arteries start to clog, your blood doesn't flow the way it's supposed to flow. And eventually, what happens with a heart attack is an artery clogs or something clogs, and part of your heart, if you don't get to it in time, will die. And that's why people die from heart attacks. I've learned that. I didn't even know that was how, what happened. But the blood flow's cut off, and that's your heart. The part that loses the blood flow will die, or whatever you know, you're, you're 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 impacted because of this plaque that's in your body. Well, we as Christians think of the Holy Spirit as your blood. He's in there. He's there to be used and to give you strength and to give you vitality and to give life and energy to all of your parts. But if we got plaque of sin clogging our arteries, he cannot flow. He's there. So when you and I start to eat healthy and we start to exercise spiritually, we begin to reverse those negative changes and the Holy Spirit now can begin to move. What do I mean by that? We begin to listen for his voice. Yes. We begin to hear his voice. We begin to obey when he convicts our heart. Yes. Right? He's there. We're just choosing and neglecting him. Mm -hmm. And neglecting him enough will eventually destroy us. 
Mm-hmm. All right? And so you and I must be always prepared, always working, right? Uh, it's the person that's not prepared that hurts themselves and hurts those around them. You and I as Christians should always run as winners. Many times we don't run like a winner because we don't see ourselves as a winner. Right? Uh, Our mentality is, I just want to drag myself to the finish line. But that's not how we're meant to live our lives as Christians. We're meant to run to the finish line. Not come dragging away. Right? Uh, The Apostle Paul, when he was looking back on his life, he said, I fought the good fight. I had finished the race. That wasn't a man who was crawling to the finish line. That was a man going, I ran as hard as I could the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right? I ran that race like a winner, and I finished like a winner. Because here's the great thing about God. Uh, your finish line may be different in terms of when you die upon this earth and you make it to heaven, but you all, we all are winners. And we must see ourselves as winners, and we must run as winners. You know, many times in school when when we were doing exercises and things, I wouldn't try because I knew I didn't have a chance to beat those other kids. Mm -hmm. Right? That kid was going to, that dude was going to do 20 pull-ups, I might do two. So you know what I did? The flex arm hang. (laughs) Where you just hold it, and they make you hold it for so many seconds. Uh I wasn't even going to try. I may be able to do one or two or three pull-ups, but that kid did 20. I'm following him. I'm just hanging there, right? And so I don't even try, right? And many times we look at that and we think we're not a winner and we don't even try, right? We don't even try the one pull up. But here's the thing that I remember when I uh, was getting healthy and I started losing weight. You know what the first thing I started doing? Pull-ups. Because that had had such a profound impact on me as a kid. I would watch all these young, these healthy guys and my great do all these pull-ups and they would count them and everyone would cheer and I, I just wasn't even going to try to do my one or two pull-ups and I would just hang there. But when I lost my weight, I started doing pull-ups and I would do pull-ups all the time and I got to where I, I could do 25, 30, 40 pull-ups uh, and just, and that's what I did. And that was like, I thought that was cool, but it took me deciding one day, I wonder if I could do a pull-up now. Mm-hmm. Let me try it. So I had to put aside all of the embarrassment of my childhood, of not being able to do a pull-up, walk up to the pull-up bar and say, I bet I can do one now. And guess what? Not only could I do one, I could do a second one, and a third one, and a fourth one, and a fifth one. And I got so excited I could do pull-ups. I ran around doing pull-ups all the time. I worked at a daycare, and they had this big thing. You remember, Kelly, that big thing that you could crawl up and had this bar? It was perfect. I would get up there. I would hang while I was supposed to be watching the kids, and I would do pull-ups. Because I thought I was the coolest thing. Look at all the ladies. They see me do a pull-ups, right? I was showing off for my, my wife uh, to be, you know? But I, I would have never known I could do it. I know it sounds silly, but the truth is, you'll never know if you could do something that you thought you couldn't do if you never tried. Amen. Something that maybe defeated you in the past. Something that maybe was your Achilles heel. Something that was that thing that was the, uh, the, the speed bump that you couldn't get over. But now you're more mature. And you're wiser. 
and you're more, you know, you've gone from being the child drinking milk to starting to eat meat. And the word of God, go back and try it again. Don't give up because of what your past was. Because of what you could or couldn't do in the past. Because of what you did or didn't do in the past. Get up there and run. Don't be intimidated. Next, we must focus. Verse 25, the latter half says, uh, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. We need to focus on the prize. We need to focus on what it is that we're running for. We're running for eternity. That eternal life, we're running for that gift. That We're, we're running for a prize that does not perish. Uh, James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Uh, throughout uh, the Bible, uh, there are promises of crowns, and I want to say that six or seven, I think it's seven different crowns that are promised uh, in the Bible. Uh, one of them happens to be here, the crown of life. There's the crown of victory. There are these different crowns, uh, and those crowns are imperishable, and we can win them. We got something to run for, guys. We have a reason to run the best race that we can po possibly run. Those folks ran for a, a, a crown of celery and leaves <laughs> that would dry up and wither away. Mm -hmm. They ran for a title that died when they died, a statue that, when the element set in and was it was neglected, it was destroyed, a song that was eventually forgotten. You and I run where our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and ain't nobody can cross it out. Amen. Ooh, right? That's better than any plaque in a Don Shula steakhouse that you could possibly mm -hmm. imagine. Mm -hmm. That's better than any statue or any song in my honor that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and that someday when I stand before God, he's going to read off William Curtis Crawford. Enter in. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. That's what we're running for, guys. Amen. Run. <laughs> See, that's the great part. Uh, we're going to get the prize. Run. You're a winner. <laughs> you don't hit the lottery. You don't won. Run. <laughs> Persevere. Be focused. Focus on what's in front of us, not what's beside us, what's going on around us, or what's behind us. Focus on what's in front and run towards the prize. The devil likes nothing more than get us distracted by what's going on beside of us. Amen. Brother and sister so-and-so gets us to take a left turn. Amen. And all you got to do is look left or right for a second on the highway, and you could run into the car in front of you, run off the road, someone to cut you off. It only takes a second to look at left and right and losing focus for a tragedy to happen. Mm -hmm. And what the devil likes to do is get you and I as we're running, and we go, mm -hmm. and <laughs> Next thing you know, you're picking yourself up off, off the ground because you've fallen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Distract us with anything, and he knows what to distract you with. Amen. What distracts you may not be the same thing that distracts me, but he knows. Mm -hmm. And he knows where to put it, and if the first time doesn't work, he'll keep putting it there until you turn and look. Mm -hmm. So we got to stay focused on the prize, right? Focused on that so that we don't look to the left or to the right. Number five, purpose. We have to get energized. Verse, nine, uh, verse 26 of chapter 9 says, So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly, or box like one beating the air. Paul is saying, 
I don't run like I got no place to go. Why would I? And I don't fight like I'm just punching or shadow boxing. Right? He says, we're not to, he says, I don't do these things. And the implication there is that you and I are not to do those things. That we're not to run without purpose. We're not to run aimlessly. Right? We're to run with a reason. And if you and I have a purpose and we have a reason, it will give us the energy we need to get to complete the race. Some of us just need to get energized. Right? Some of us have run out of energy. I have uh, in my life on multiple occasions where you just get tired and you're tired of fighting and you're tired of running and you're tired of doing and you're tired and you, you just want to sit down and quit or sit down and rest and then that turns into quitting, right? Uh, we have those things in our life. But if we know that there's a goal at the end and we know that we have a purpose and we can see the finished result and our spiritual mind will keep running and we will be energized to run. But if all I'm looking at is the floor in front of me, eventually I get bored with the floor and I get tired. I read an illustration uh, well, for this message and it's a story about a guy who approached a laborer who was laying bricks for a project. There were a couple of laborers out there and they were laying bricks for a building and he went to the first one and said, hey man, what you doing? And the laborer looked up at him and said, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm laying bricks. <laughs> okay, you're laying bricks. So that guy was doing his job. He just was laying bricks. He went to the next guy and he said, well, what are you doing? And this guy said, he looked up and with pride, he said, I'm building a cathedral. Now, which one was going to get tired first? The, first? the one who couldn't see the end result. Right, right. The one who didn't realize what he was building. The one who didn't realize what the end result was going to be. And so uh, that, that, that guy who was just laying bricks, guess what? He was going to do his, his eight hours and go home. But if you're, if you're build, believing that you're building more than just a mundane house to live in, you're building more than just when you, when you go to your job, you're, right? life is full of bricks. Okay? And we all lay those bricks daily. We get up, we go to work. We get up, we take care of our kids. We get up, we clean the house. We get up, we do the laundry. We're laying bricks, right? But here's the thing. Those bricks are actually a bigger picture, which is eternal life, right? Every day should be lived with purpose. So don't get focused on everyday bricks that we're laying, but keep looking toward the glorious coming of Christ, that ultimate reward that we're going to have. That we're building something bigger than ourselves. This guy was only building a part of it. It's not like he was building the whole cathedral. But what he could see was that what I'm doing is going to be this part of this cathedral. Right. And when it's done, some good things are going to happen here. Right. right? So you and I, we got to not grow weary and laying the bricks, but we got to see the bigger picture, right? Uh, not just look at the bricks, but look at the blueprints and see what we're building. Amen. Right? We must look at the ultimate task. And if you and I will get excited about the goal, we can be energized and we'll continue to work. And that's what I pray for myself, that God would re-energize me with excitement. Right? Excitement. And the purpose and in his plan that he has for my life. Ask God to re-energize you for the purpose and the plan that he has for your life. Start looking at the goal. Start looking at 
what it's going to be instead of what it is right now. What it is right now might look like just a pile of bricks. But what it is going to be is God has predestined us to be made in the image of his son, right? That the race that we started, we're going to finish, you know, he that has began a good work in you is going to complete it, right? That, that, That look for the end result, not just, not just at what the building blocks are in front of us. Focus on what it will be. If you're not doing something with your life, it doesn't matter how long it is. It was from the Peace Corps. If you're not doing something with your life, then it doesn't matter how long your life is. You can make, if you and I are walking in the purpose of God, we can make a great impact in a short amount of time. If we're not, we can live to 104 and not do anything that anyone will ever impact, that ever impacted the world. There's a lot of old people who are living with regrets because they did not walk in the purpose that they had because they were afraid, because they were scared, they were intimidated, because they thought they weren't qualified. There are a lot of Christians sitting on the pews today in our churches that one day will say, why in the world did I waste that time? I mean, I'm only 45 years old, uh, and I still look back and go, I wasted years. I wasted months. I wasted days on X, Y, and Z. But we don't have to anymore. Let's make the biggest flash that we can make. Let's burn with all the heat, the fire that we can burn with to impact this world around us. And whether we have tomorrow as our last day or, you know, 100 years from now as our last day, let's run like we've never run before. Burn brighter than we've ever burned. And let's go out with a bang. Right? Let's impact the world for Christ. And last but not least, we can never, should never and can never quit. Verse 27 says, Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The, word, the Greek word translated discipline there is a verb, and it literally means to strike under the eye. Punch somebody in the face. That's what it means. Punch somebody in the face. So Paul is saying, I punch my body. I beat myself up to bring it under control. Getting our bodies prepared requires discipline. And that discipline will result in us not quitting too soon. But discipline hurts. Well, we live in a world today of kids and millennials and whatever the new generation is, I don't even know, can't keep up with it anymore, that we live lives without discipline and we can see what's happening. Yep. Right? No discipline equals puppet degrees in puppeteering. No discipline ends up with kids wandering around aimlessly not knowing what they want to do with life, their lives and only wanting to uh, do what makes them feel good, right? Discipline don't feel good. Life stinks sometimes. Life hurts sometimes. Life sometimes gives you lemons, right? Life sometimes seems like it's unfair. Then because we've raised a generation of kids that are undisciplined, the minute they meet that unfairness, 
They give up and they blame somebody else. But if you and I are disciplined, if you and I have beat our bodies into submission, ain't nobody on this earth going to make us quit. Nobody. The Apostle Paul said, I discipline my body to bring it under strict control. He practiced what he preached. Why? Because after he preached to everybody else, and all of these people had gotten saved, and all the impact he'd made, he didn't want himself to be disqualified. Right. When you were going to participate in these games in, in ancient uh, Greece and, and in Rome, you had to prove that you had been trained. You had to prove that for at least 10 months you had been training uh, diligently to participate. If you couldn't prove it, you didn't get to participate. You had to make sure you were disciplined. Your body had been disciplined and beat into shape so that when it came time, you could perform. It didn't do anyone any justice for someone to get out there and not be able to perform. Right? You worked hard to get out there, and they weren't going to let just anyone out there, right? This, this They wanted it to be a spectacle, and they wanted it to amaze the people, and they wanted the crowds to, you know, cheer. And so they didn't let just anybody. And so you had to be disciplined, and you had to prepare your body, and you had to be in a, a place that where you would not quit if things got tough. Right? We just, they just don't make them like that anymore. Even in the foot, in football, guys are complaining about playing, playing hurt now. Back, back when I was watching football, even in the 80s, those guys played through everything. And before that, they didn't even have hel- proper helmets. And them jokers played. Why? Uh, because it's just they were tough back then, tougher, stronger. Right? Uh, you know, they, they didn't cry whenever they got hit. They were disciplined in their bodies. They took the pain and they kept on moving. Let us take the pain and keep on moving. Walter Payton, who was one of the greatest running backs ever, was amazing. And, and they asked him one day, why were you so successful? And he said, it's because I got up every, every time I got knocked down. I got up one more time than I got knocked down. Right? We need to discipline our bodies that you're going to get knocked down. You're going to face hard problems. You're going to fall every once in a while. You're going to stumble. But instead of laying there and crying, get up and start running again. Get up one more time, then you're knocked down. Let me get up one more time, then I'm knocked down. And if we discipline our bodies that we will do that, We bring it under control that even though our mind says stop, even though our mind says give up, even though our mind says you can't do this anymore, even though our physical body says we can't do this anymore, let's just stop mentally. We're like, it'd be easier if I just quit. Let me tell you, I definitely had that thought here, right? Uh, It'd just be easier, right, in my life where I said it'd just be easier if I just quit. You know, I could go vanish off somewhere and not have to worry about X, Y, and Z anymore. I'm sure every single one of you have had that thought at some point in your life about something, right? Uh, but we got to get to the place where we're disciplined enough to work through the pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To work through the pain. Because if you'll push through the pain, you'll be stronger when you get through the other side. Right. Amen. Amen. If you went back in history and talked to those guys who played football Right, the Sonny Jurgensons, and even before that, uh, 
they, they would tell you it was worth it. They didn't get paid millions of dollars. They got paid like $30,000 a year for their bodies to take that kind of abuse. Sometimes less, depending on the position. They didn't get paid so much. They worked other jobs, they did not just football. But they would still tell you it's worth it. Right? We got athletes making millions of dollars right now who take it for granted because they're not disciplined. Right. You and I, we are at many times in our lives that so many Christians were not disciplined and we give up every time the first bad thing happens. Yeah. Now, I'd like to tell you that I've never given up. That would be a lie. I'd like to tell you that I've always ran and picked myself back up immediately and got back up and ran. That's a lie. So there's been a time or two where my wife has had to pick me up and say, Keep, let's go. Come back, come back. You know, she's in front of me, come back and get me so I can run. That's where the body of Christ comes in because none of us run alone. Right. Yep. Yeah. And if you stumble, let someone take you by the hand and help you get back up again. And we're not all by ourselves. We do need to discipline ourselves and we do need... To, to, to force ourselves, right? When you don't feel like coming to church, come to church. When you don't feel like studying your Bible, study your Bible. When you don't feel like praying, pray. When you don't like that person and you don't want to talk to them, talk to them anyway, right? If you, you know, you've got to make ourselves do things we don't want to do to be Christians. We have to make ourselves do things because Jesus did those things. He had mercy on the ones who pulled the hair out of his face spit on him and beat him and hung him on a cross right we've got to we've got to do those things run with with discipline but we're not alone we're within the church and we need to help each other when one falls let us stand Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.